0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Light the Fight. I am David. And I'm Heidi. And tonight, we barely have enough lighter fluid to light the fight.
1: <laughs> it's, been, it's been a crazy day here.
0: So just so you know, this is this episode part, d- part two. <laughs> so last night uh, here in Utah, um, all the stars and all the planets aligned against us. Well, we, we record, I thought it was a really good podcast, if I don't say so Darn myself. Darn it. Darn it all we had all this excitement, enthusiasm. We probably talked for, it was probably like an hour and 20 minutes only to find out later on that something happened with the recording and we've done this a couple times now and there's nothing happened like that. And so we got the we got the message that we're going to have to re-record the podcast because there was not a podcast recorded.
1: Which is fine cuz I totally have it all memorized. Yes. I have every single word of what we said last night. Memorized, you
0: memorized so. everything that comes out of the filter that you don't have. I don't,
1: I don't remember when, I don't even know what we talked about.
0: Yeah. What did we talk about? It seemed like so long ago.
1: Honestly. And um, so, you know, like just starting from scratch. Well,
0: it's been a very, it's been a very unique day too. Cause when we left here last night, we went to drive home in like the death blizzard of all death blizzards. Pretty sketchy, scary to drive home.
1: Me and Brandon ran a red light together. You we have did. to do
0: it though. Sometimes we
1: did because I think that the I think the lights were broken or something because the weather. I mean, I don't know if I remember when the last time this that was school bad. was canceled. Yep, school was canceled today. We had a snow day, and to be honest, best day ever.
0: Best day ever to have a canceled <laughs> snow day. Yeah, I think I heard like a cheer throughout the valley yeah. when the, when it was announced in the morning. My kids didn't know. My daughter, she goes to school. And my wife's like, school canceled. I'm like. Cheers. Right.
1: It was great.
0: So it was great. But what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to muster up the same enthusiasm we had yesterday because we were so excited to talk about our event yesterday. And we answered a bunch of questions. And we were going at it. But now we have to muster up the same enthusiasm. We're still excited about the event. Just we already shared our excitement. I don't know if we were able to refill the excitement tank back up in just 24 (laughs) hours. But we're going to do our best.
1: Well, I don't know. I I feel like today, personally, it was just such a gift. Um, and so I feel bad for anybody who was like, I hope none of you were one of the 440 accidents that happened. Was it really that many? 440 accidents today that the police had to respond to. And I mean, 63 inches of snow at the top of, of Brighton. I mean, it's...
0: Hey, you know, it's dogs bad. and
1: cats living together.
0: <laughs> you know, it's bad. I mean, first of all, all jokes aside, the 440 something accidents, that's that's horrible. Uh, right? It is. And that's scary to think, you know, you see those ambulance stuff going by. It's like you just pray that nobody lost their life. No one seriously injured. And so that's horrible. On a joking level, you know, it's really bad here. If your boy David was shoveling the driveway.
1: <laughs> oh, did you actually?
0: No, I was because like I full know that you, snowboard gear.
1: <laughs> you like to wait until the afternoon when the sun comes out.
0: Oh, no, I, I don't, don't like to. Against- it, I figured, I bought the perfect sh- placed house. The way our house, our driveway is placed, our first year in the house, I found out. I'm like, oh, I have to shovel the snow. Ugh, ugh. So I go to work. I come back. and It was magically melted. No one else's driveway was magically melted. And my neighbor's like, how come you're... Your driveway—you don't have to, you know, shovel it. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to shovel it. Snow it was so bad last night when the guys came in the morning to do it. There was no joke—about a three, at least a three foot to three and a half foot mound. And our driveway comes down and then it's three and a half feet up. I don't think our our SUV might have been able to plow through it. Like if I just floored it and reversed out of here. <laughs> but our, you know, our you know, my daily driver, my Acura, that, that would not have gotten through that. And so, put on my snowboarding gear putting on the boots and the gloves. My wife was laughing. I'm sure she's probably videoing and taking pictures like, "Hey everybody, like my son, my my son, basically your son." But <laughs> my husband's out there shoveling the driveway and I put on like my workout music. I didn't have to go to the gym workout today cuz I was dripping in sweat. It's exhausting. Well, this I I mean, I've shoveled snow. Joker, I've shoveled snow before a couple of times, but not like this. This was insane. I mean, there's a huge wall It would have been perfect for like a snowball fight to hide behind it, but not in my driveway. So,
1: well, bad I, snow is what I'm saying. You know, I got a little of my own aerobic exercise out in the out in the driveway, so I, it was good. Why not? It was good. Um, well, let's jump right into okay. the event
0: and let's let's get the show on the road.
1: Well, one of the things that I do remember us talking about, um, so last week, and it's it's, it's almost been a week since our quote "Don't freak out" event, um. And you guys heard us talking about it, and we were, we were super excited about it because um, our friends over at 1-800, they just like put s- so much work into it, gave us so much support, and um, they, those people know what they're doing. And so it was so cool. Um, in fact, all David and I had to do was show up and get a mic put on us. Um, I walked in and the presentation was already up. There was...
0: um, Just so you guys know, normally when we walk in, we're looking for cables. Wait, how come we we downloaded the PowerPoint on a type of software that can't be shown at the event? We're running around like chickens with their head cut off. Something's forgotten.
1: Why don't the fonts... Why aren't the fonts found? (laughs) Why does it
0: look like aliens wrote this
1: PowerPoint
0: presentation? Like in some sort of hieroglyphics?
1: Yeah, good It Didn't time. happen this time, right? No, they like had water out for us and like these nice uh bar stools for us to sit on and it was calm and people were in their seats like Started
0: on time?
1: I'm, that pe- was the biggest miracle. People were in their seats like 40 45 minutes before it even started. I'm like, "Whoa." The you know. So it it was It was awesome. And in the past, and we've even talked about here, that after we do an event, that maybe I kind of do a little... Definitely or maybe? (laughs) I do a little bit of vulnerability hanging over um, afterwards. It's usually a very emotional experience for me. And I'm still kind of learning how to communicate the way I feel. Um, And it usually involves me crying. And um I and it's like I never want any presentation that I make to to be missing some emotion to it. Like this is something that I have a lot of reverence for. Um but when I'm crying, sometimes it's hard for people to actually understand. What, it's hard for you to see what you what when the saying. mascara is going yeah, down your eyes. Yeah. yeah. And something really interesting happened i felt like i was able to express the way i felt in uh in a way that like the words actually matched how i felt and i didn't um i didn't cry and i felt to me i felt like a win um again not because i don't want to cry and not because I think there's anything wrong with crying, but I felt like I had like my my reps had kind of started to pay off, and um when I got home, when I got home, I just felt I felt good. I didn't feel. Exhausted or like all of my energy'd been sucked out and depleted and I didn't feel like I was just a shell. <laughs> I felt really good. Like the message had been delivered, the message had been received. And you weren't doubting
0: what you said. You weren't
1: right. And I, I even said to Eric, I gotta write this down because I'm for sure gonna forget this feeling.
0: <laughs> Your diary. I didn't freak out at the don't freak out event.
1: <laughs> right. It was, that was a breakthrough. It was was, awesome.
0: And I could tell too. I remember I kept on looking over you. I'm like, she's doing it. And (laughs) you always do an amazing job. Just talking in general is just something that I I love it that you do not. Well, if you have a filter, it hasn't worked in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. And and this time again, like, you know, you're just talking, say thing and you're saying things, but you're right. It definitely didn't seem like your emotions were driving the vehicle. And yeah, you got to have emotion, but. You know, something about just the way you spoke and, and just your tone and, and the, the ways you said things. It, it definitely seemed that there was just this centered, grounded, I'm here, I'm talking about it. I, it doesn't surprise me at all why you didn't have a vulnerability hangover after that, because you were vulnerable, but not excessively emotional.
1: It didn't feel like I got run over by yes. a truck. Yeah. <laughs> and we did a couple things different at this particular event. Um, so David, David and I have done events similar to this a few times. Um, and one thing that David, I got to tell you, you're always really open to and really good at is taking questions. And so I've watched and listened and heard as um, people have and and the questions can come out of left field, like you know, when you open up to a big group to be able to ask questions, you you're don't open up a
0: can of worms. Yeah, you don't, you don't know what's what going to come gonna at get. you,
1: and um, that's definitely one of your strengths, and I think that that's something that, interestingly enough, everybody in a room can benefit from hearing one person's question and that answer, even if it's not exactly your circumstance or your situation. Um, so we knew that we wanted. To open up to questions at this event, and um we were planning and anticipating for a really large crowd and um and so we we had a couple of options, and I know that you have always really liked having somebody have to kind of stand up and be vulnerable and and express their question and that is something that um is, is really valuable for that person who's asking. It's valuable to model for other people. Um, but on the other hand, when there is a really big crowd and it's hard to maybe get to a mic or also- in If it's this, really personal. Yeah, in this situation, maybe you don't, maybe it's not appropriate or, or you hesitate more to share something in this situation. So the folks at 1-800-CONTACTS um, set up a service that allowed people to be able to text their questions and um and then we were we kind of set it up to where they would the questions would come into the app and then they would feed them to me up on the stage via my phone And when we got to the designated portion of the evening that we would start to sh- share questions, it was going to be my job to kind of pick and choose questions um us to share and first of all we got nine pages of questions and I wasn't prepared for that maybe you are prepared
0: (laughs) I remember I just kept on looking over you (laughs) as I'm talking I'm gonna answer some questions and I'm like Heidi and and I was like okay we're gonna take some from the crowd you have we had some questions coming in through the, the email and stuff. And she looked at me like with her eyes, you know, that emoji on the text where the eyes are large, and she, like the <laughs> eyes are bugged out. She's like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, we got a couple. <laughs> and she was like, they're really heavy and they're really deep and there's pages of them. I was like, OK, quick on the spot because I knew we wouldn't have time to read and like that would take a while. So we answered like one or two, like a couple of them. But what we promised is exactly what we're about to do right now is we said, you know what? These questions are too important for us to not answer. So let's go ahead and answer the question. By the way, you can visit lightthefight.com. You can follow us on iTunes. Plus, a good plug for us so that it gets more listeners. But most importantly, we wanted people to feel heard and get their questions answered. And so, but yeah, quite surprising on how many came in.
1: Well, and as I read the questions, um, something interesting happened for me is even though all the like not all the questions were were something that I'd experienced through these questions i I knew that everybody there was experiencing something that was challenging them, scaring them, overwhelming them. I could feel uh w- where this these people were coming from and um it one one thing that it did do it it validated our our mission here at light the fight i know that all of us even though our situations and circumstances are different we're being challenged with situations that we don't totally by virtue of how we were brought up in our own life experiences, we don't exactly know how to handle these situations and we can benefit from learning more. And so I really was wanting to like screenshot these pages and, and actually share them on our Instagram. I wanted people to know How universal some of these questions and feelings are. Um, Can we do that? I mean, I don't see why we. They're pretty anonymous, right? They're completely anonymous. But sometimes we think that we're the ones and our problems are so big and so unique and so individual that nobody would ever understand. But when you read these questions, you realize oh, so I'm not alone. So my family's not the only one. So my kid's not the only one. So
0: and that saying, it always gets a bad rap, but in some ways it's good. Misery does love company. Like if you're going through a hard time, you don't want to be the only one going through a hard time. Well,
1: at least you don't feel like you're yeah. You're an alien. Yeah, no for sure. You know, and um
0: Hopefully you guys got my joke. I'm not saying I want you to be in misery, but if you're no, going to be there, you don't yeah. want to be the only person in that room, you know.
1: Right. And um So what we've decided to do and what we kind of shared, shared with the crowd that night because we didn't get through very many questions is that we wanted to address some of these questions. And, you know, in the past, and, and I don't know, why don't you explain this? Why don't you explain how, how your goal? Yeah. Okay. You explained this last night.
0: Yeah, so basically what we're going to do is we were doing some DM episodes and make a really long story short, it'd be like 20-minute episodes answering one question. And I was trying to really give all the information I could give to give why I'm saying this and the philosophy. And I was trying to do this big wraparound so that people understand exactly where I'm coming from. But I've been learning throughout the years, but even more recently by doing the podcast. In fact, the podcast has been the biggest thing that showed me this is that people don't need me. People don't need to be meeting with me weekly as their therapist, their therapist coach or whatever it is that I'm helping out with for them to get good information to questions that they're throwing out there. And the only way we can really answer a lot of questions is I'm gonna have to be quicker about it. So what we're gonna do tonight to get through at least a page of this because when Heidi's saying there's nine pages, there's not like one question on each page. (laughs) There's quite a few pages. So we're gonna do more of a rapid fire and I'm going to have to put aside my, oh, they need to know this. They need to know that. I'll give a little bit of detail, but I want to keep each question, you know, around a minute to two minutes long. And so we're just going to do that tonight. We're going to throw it out there. We want to hear some feedback from you guys, what you like. I, Heidi personally, I think that's a great idea. In fact, if, why don't we do this? Um, how many uh, pictures can you add on Instagram? You know, when like you have one, two, story. three, oh. in the, not in the story, like on the Regular. post. Regular, 10. Okay. Okay why don't we do this? Let's read the question. I'll answer it. And then why don't we go and post those questions that we did on this episode and say, if you, if you can relate this question, if you like this question, the episode, listen to the episode, you can yeah, fast forward to me idea. talking about, you know, me not shoveling snow and all that type of stuff. <laughs> some people get a kick out of that for some reason, but most <laughs> people probably don't. Point is then they can go. I like that. Now they say, it. then they can go and see the questions and then come to the podcast and listen to the episode and get an answer to those okay. questions.
1: Okay. And I think, like I said, these are completely anonymous questions. We don't know if they came from youth or from adults sometimes. Sometimes we're we're kind of guessing. Um, but I'm just taking one of the pages that came in and just like, I'm not even, we're not even picking and choosing. We're just going to go straight down the list. So if you're ready.
0: Well, and normally I don't get any prep when she asks me these questions, but if you were listening to the beginning of the episode, we did this already last night. So Hopefully, I can come up with some good answers like I did last night because I felt I was, I was in good answer mode last night.
1: You were. It was it was some good stuff. So I hope you can you have it all memorized.
0: Gosh, the pressure's on.
1: <laughs> all right, Brandon. He gets remember set the the timer so he gets sixty Don't do seconds. That. I'm bad under pressure. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just not. kidding. We're gonna um, okay. So we're gonna kick off with the first question that's on this particular page. This happens to be question list number five. So. How can you mend a relationship or potential of future conversations about the same topic when the first time it was brought up, you freaked out?
0: Does this seem like it's from a parent or doesn't it specify at all? No. Okay.
1: But my guess is that an uncomfortable subject came up and that it was a parent that freaked out. And they want they want to fix it.
0: Well, here's what you do first. You acknowledge that you freaked out in the last conversation or in maybe years of attempts and you have to tell them, okay, listen, I'm making it an intention and a goal to get better at not freaking out. Um, what They said when they asked a question, was that it?
1: So how can you mend a relationship or a potential of a future conversation about the same topic? Okay.
0: Okay. So the relationship, that's easier because it's more general. So you have to acknowledge that in the past, first, I, this is how I do it. I acknowledge them, say, listen, I know in the past that I've screwed up. I've known that I've tried to be there for you, I've tried to support you, whatever it is that's caused the relationship to go sour. And I know I failed to do that. And just list as many specific ways that you can think of that you may not agree that you're horrible at that, but it's less about your intention when you're talking to them and more about their uh, observation. So if they think that you've, screwed up the relationship, and you've broken that bond, whatever it is, those things that they've said to you, state that, obviously, I've done this, remember, regardless whether you felt you did or not, so start with that first, then ap- it. Yeah. and then apologize for that, and then once you apologize for that, then state to them, listen, we don't have to have a conversation right now and fix the relationship right now, I just want to let you know, this is what I want to start work on from now on. And the only way for me to be better and to do all those things you told me I would have to do to mend this relationship and get back in a close relationship with you is I'm going to need to have practice. And I can't have practice unless you give me a chance, or as I like to say, unless you put me in the game. I need to be in a situation. So you may be resistant. You may be hesitant. But try me. See if you can talk to me about things again. And maybe it might take a little time. I just want a chance to reconnect with you and start over. Now, really important. I don't think you should have that conversation right then. I think this is the setup to saying, here's what I want. If you listen to our build the bridges episode, we talked about a whole entire year. It may take a whole entire year to rebuild a relationship. If you want to rebuild that relationship in that conversation may not be realistic expectations. So just state that that's what you want to do in the future and then ask them in the future, can you come to them and ask them questions? Can you talk to them about things that they're interested in or whatever it may be and start from there.
1: I just want to add that if you are a parent and you know that you are a freak router and that you freaked out, I don't think it's a bad thing for you to individually go to each one of your kids and say, "Look, we all know that I freaked out. I'm a, I'm really going to work on this and I want to I want to tell you that I'm sorry." And I want to try again,
0: give details too, though. Don't say, I know I freaked out, but anyways, I really want to like say, I know I freaked out. And they sp- say specifically, remember that one time, you know, and, and if you're kid or the person starts to say, well, you do do that a lot say, yes, we've already agreed upon that. <laughs> it's hard to argue with someone that, that you're being agreeable with. So if you're acknowledging their concerns and their issues with you, that's a great place to start to set up for better conversations in the future.
1: And and I don't think it's ever going to be too late or too early to do that. No, that's could a, be with a friend. A this could be with start. a friend. Yeah. It could
0: be your spouse. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Next question. How do you extinguish heated emotions and reactions? How can you help someone calm down so you can have a conversation?
0: Well, modeling, and for those of you who don't know what I refer to when I'm talking about modeling, meaning a model of someone like an actual fashion model, they put clothes on a person that they feel would be a great canvas to highlight the attributes of the clothing. You want the clothing to look good. So you put it on someone who would fit what the designer thinks the clothing should look like. So if you're modeling for someone emotions that would calm down a situation, cause that person to not freak out, then what you're doing is you're showing them what it looks like to be in a difficult situation, but not having highly emotional reactions to that situation. And that's what I mean by modeling for them. So in this case, if you're trying to calm down a situation, mellow it out, you have to bring that to the conversation. You can't tell someone, stop freaking out or, you know, why are you worrying so much? Why are you doing this? As a little joke, oftentimes when we tell someone or the person that says you're being crazy or quit freaking out, that's usually the person that's making you feel crazy and freaking out. Right. So don't be the fire starter, be the fire calmer. And the only way to calm down a fire is you got to throw water on it, not more kindling and not more wood. That means you have to have body language, facial expressions that's calm, relaxed, or at least showing that you're interested and concerned. About whatever it is that's causing them to be emotional.
1: Listening. <laughs> right, well, Andrew? it's I mean
0: it's listening and making sure your body language shows that you give a damn. Because if you're listening, going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you could see my face right now, I'm squinting my eyes and I'm doing like mm-hmm, like I, I really don't care, but I'm supposed to pretend like I care. I call it the really bad customer service person. Say sorry, can't return your item. Bye. Next, you're like. Mm-hmm. You just, nobody wants someone to say sorry or to say something and their body language is saying the complete opposite because you're always going to go with the body language. You're never going to buy what their words are saying unless it matches their overall disposition and their body language.
1: Something that I remember you saying last night when we, when we had our first run through, um, you talked about that if, if there's a really heightened emotional situation, it might not be the best time. And so there's nothing wrong with saying you know, pushing it off. Let how about if we talk about this in the morning or, you know?
0: And in that situation, if the person says, No, we need to talk about it right now, you can tell them, You sure you want to do that? Because in the past I've kind of freaked out. I've gotten upset. You know, I I don't know if this is a great time to talk about this simply because I'm being calm now, but I don't want to get mad at you because you're frustrated. That wouldn't be fair to you. Again, hard to argue with someone that isn't being agreeable with you.
1: Right. Okay, next. What do you do when your kid wants to go to Brighton and Snowbird with all 10 of his friends, but he has bad grades and you think he should stay in school?
0: Well, a little side note, if your kid is not actually – severely grounded for some major act and it's just something that would be a poor decision on their part because they're behind school, whatever it may be, I would not answer their question by them asking you, hey, can I go, can I go, can I go? I would respond like this. It's your school. You know exactly what you need to do. If you're very confident that you'll be able to go skiing, snowboarding, whatever it is and come back and still do all your stuff, then that's on you. This is your choice. It's not mine. It's your school, not mine. But you have to not be condescending about that. You have to be just very, as matter of fact, prepare for some odd looks from your kid. They'll be like, wait, who abducted my parent? Like, what's going on here? (laughs) And they're going to look like something's not right. Why are they not trying to convince me? You know, it's really not that snowy. Don't you think you want to go tomorrow? Or do you think that's really the best idea? Because I don't like questions in those situations. Tell them, you know, you're asking the wrong person. You need to ask yourself that question. I can't make that decision for you. Now, parents that are listening to this, in the back of your mind, repeat this saying, I love you, but I can't save you from screwing up your academic career. If they come back and if they, if they decide to go and they come back and then a day later they're stressed, I didn't get my homework done. Can you, can you drive me to Walmart and I need to get this, I need to get that. You look at them and say, hey, listen. I'm not saying I'm not gonna help you because I'm mad at you for choosing that. It was just a choice. But this is something you're gonna to have to figure out. Watching your kid have a fail is a great opportunity for them to have a win. And the win I'm referring to is a life lesson that can teach them, not you. Because let's face it, your teenagers, you're not a teacher anymore because they're not trying to take your class. They're not trying to listen to you. So if you respond in a way that this is on you, this is your question, That means also you can't bail them out when they're freaking out and they're stressed out because their stress and them freaking out shouldn't be yours. Just like when they're stressed and freaking out about wanting to go up on the mountain, that's not your problem. If your kids wanna go and snowboarding when they're in college and don't go to class, that's on them. Prepare them for that now. That's why if they have a fail, it can turn into a quick life lesson or a quick win. That's
1: a shift in parenting thinking. If it's, if that is landing on you, mom and dad, who's listening and thinking, oh, great. You know, then I'm here to tell you that, that it's, it's kind of a, it's an adjustment in, and it's an adjustment to a more partnership approach with, with your kids. Well, right? you, did, and so, you did a
0: really good job, Heidi, talking about this at our don't freak out event. Um, it's. It, When you are trying to control these scenarios and you're trying to, you know, you got to go to school, you got to do this. You're kind of freaking out when I say you, not just you, Heidi, but parents in general. It's going to be really hard for your kids that they can trust coming to you when there's big choices that they need to make. It's hard to be a trusted parent, aka a good partner, when your partner comes to you And your first thing that you do is question them and try to derail them and do something different instead of just sitting there going, hey, I'm doing my job, which is I'm providing all the things you need so that you can have the life to go snowboarding. You got to make your decisions whether you're going to go or not. Now, again, of course, in the very beginning, this is assuming they're not severely grounded. If they're severely grounded and that's not even in the equation, then you say, hey, listen, that's just part of the deal. You know, you can't go.
1: Right. Okay. Next question. How do you engage with a sibling that is constantly manipulating you and you just don't want to enable? That's it? Okay. Well, I'm going to take a wild shot in the dark
0: that the sibling that is trying to manipulate you, if they are successful in their manipulation and you give them or do what they want, you're now their hero. And they like that. However, if you don't do what they want, then you're the villain. Referring back to one of our previous podcasts, Victor, Villain, and Victim, this is great information
1: for you. Side note, more information on this is in episode number 34. I already looked this up, so. (laughs) And Heidi (laughs)
0: has these episodes memorized. It means she had to go back.
1: It is a good one. (laughs) And
0: listen to it quite a bit. So a short little Cliff Notes version of this. The one thing that everyone with a victim mentality needs to maintain their victim status is they need a hero and they need a villain. So a simple solution to this is if someone needs you to do something for them and you do it, I mean, you're really good at bailing them out, you're really good at saving them, they get the habit of saying, oh, if I'm struggling or if I'm in an uncomfortable position, I know I'll just have, in this case, my sibling bail me out because they've proven to me they're good at bailing me out. Well, that means you get better at bailing them out. They get better at not figuring out how to handle their own situations. You gain more resentment towards them and their life got a little bit easier. Let's use the outcome. So instead of being the hero or the villain, meaning bailing them out or not bailing them out, you have to play a totally different character. And this person is a person who is incapable of helping them, does not have the ability to help them, and is so naive and, and not understanding of the basic situations that it would take to help them, that they would be ridiculous to ask you to bail them out because you just don't have the skills, the assets, or the resources. So a helpful way to remember this is I don't, I've never asked a homeless person for financial advice. Why? Because I'm guessing that a homeless person hadn't figured out their finances. So it wouldn't make any sense to ask someone that does not have the capability to do that to help you with that. So to reverse the rules, if you pretend to be naive or to not be informed, to not know how to help them, they will get frustrated. They'll get angry and upset. But it helps them realize that I'm wasting my time. I've had a lot of people play a very manipulative role. So the direct answer, and I'm not pulling any punches now, the only way to stop the manip... Well, the way I suggest works the best. There you go. (laughs) There's lots of ways to do it. I just found this one works the best. Manipulation means simply to tweak or change. They're trying to tweak or change you to meet their needs so you can easily manipulate them back by simply not having the ability to help them. And it sounds like this, hey, you know, what, uh, I'm short on my rent again. Let's say it's a it's a financial thing. I'm short on my rent again, you know, and they'll tell you for 30 minutes all the different things and how they're, they're bossed. They're going to get raised and get raised and blah, blah, blah. And they will go on and on and on and on and beat you into submission normally. What you do is you sit there and you look at them and go, oh my gosh, like, I'm really embarrassed because... Let's say you're a person that's prideful about keeping your finances together, hence the reason why they're asking you for money. Mm-hmm. Then you look at them and say, you know what? You may be surprised when I tell you this, but I've actually been having a lot of financial struggles lately. I know things look like they're good on the outside, but I'm embarrassed to say that. In fact, I do not want to get into the details. I'm, uh, I'm in a hard place and I've made some bad choices and... Not to say I was going to ask you for money, but I'm actually thinking about loaning some money from some people too. Okay. Stop right there. If you're thinking, well, what if that's not true and that's a lie? What if they're telling you a lie and that's not true either? <laughs> Think about it. What's, the, what's your other options to bail them out, build more resentment, and then get mad at them only for them to get mad at you. And then you bail them out again and dun, 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 that whole entire cycle. No. Play naive. Play dumb. Don't have the resources, and if you have to fib a little bit, a white lie is better than the red truth, and that means it's better to lie a little bit than telling them I'm tired of you manipulating me. I'm not going to stand up for this anymore. Because let's face it, the person's asking this question is not being manipulated once or twice in their life. They're asking that question. If that's the question that they ask, that's a big issue. It's going a on a huge issue. They don't feel like they're capable of handling this. So the art of manipulation can go both ways. For someone else wants and needs end it for your own self-preservation. You just have to see it for what it is. Sometimes you got to bend the truth, a.k.a. a little white lie, because if you tell them the red truth, it could really damage the relationship.
1: So, you know, when we first talked about that villain, Victor, hero, I can't remember. Um, like I said, episode number 34. It was such a light bulb moment for me. Because especially for me as a mom, I think that I feel like that's my job is to bail people out. It's my job to have the answers. It's my job to take care of things, to clean up messes. And and, and, it's, and it's also the thing that you said that sometimes when we aren't available or we are naive, it puts them in the driver's seat and having an opportunity to figure out themselves. And so it's certainly, that episode's certainly worth a listen, and um, I hadn't really thought of it as it pertained to that question, and so I'm glad that you reminded us Well, because we
0: usually talk about with parents, and when I tell parents to do this, your kids bail me out, bail me out, bail me out, and then you run in and bail them out, and then they don't do what you want them to do, or they take advantage of that, you build resentment towards your kid that you love, and then when they come back and ask you again, then you get mad at them, and you lecture them, and then they say, fine. It just never goes well going back and forth like that. So sometimes for parents, I just simply tell them, pretend that you don't even have the ability to help them. I've had so many parents lie that they couldn't even afford their mortgage when they had plenty of money to pay their mortgage, simply that their kids would stop asking them for a new Xbox and the kid eventually had to go figure out how to buy their own Xbox. And the parents like, I felt so manipulated. felt so bad to lie, but it felt really good that they stopped bothering me.
1: And figured it out on their own. And they figured it out on their own. Okay, next question. My daughter is eleven. She wakes up and doesn't want to go to school. Negative about things all day. I've signed her up for activities that I think she would like, and it's daunting to her. Eye rolls, stomping off. Nothing makes her happy except being in her room, playing Minecraft or watching Netflix. What do I do?
0: Well, eleven years old. He's preteen. Still having some of those child habits of wanting you to do everything for her, but at the same time, wanting freedom to be left alone. It's a very, very difficult place. That preteen to like 14 years old, if, in my experience, that, that's really difficult. So here's what you do. Sounds like you've been trying to get things, her to do things that you really think she would like, aka want her to do. That, that's what that really is. All these events, all these things. If she just wants to watch Netflix, and what was the other one? Play uh, Minecraft. Minecraft. I had an experience recently where um, I was at someone's house. And uh, l- let me let me just cut this one because I could get really long-winded in this one. Here's what you do. You go to your daughter and you say, you know what? I know I've been trying to get you to do all these different types of things. Obviously, it's probably safe to assume that you don't want to do them or else you would have been doing them. So here's what I'm going to do from now on. I'm going to quit trying to get you to do things that I want you to do. And instead of being um, dismissive about the things that you like or not showing interest in things you like. I'm going to I'm going to show more interest in the things that you like. So. if It's okay with you. I really want to know more about Minecraft. Now, time out. Side note. Ask some people. Look at Minecraft. Find about like what is so intriguing about that game because it is extraordinarily intriguing to the people who like that game. Show interest in things that she's interested in and you're showing her that you love her. Everyone understands the language of love. When you have someone that you admire and you look up to or you want to please, let's say, take the time to show interest in you and your interest, that is an amazing high. That's a huge win. And I call it, you need to make time to spend time with the things that they're interested in. So that means with Netflix. If she likes a show on Netflix, and even if you try to get her off that show, I want you to admit to it. It's like, you know I've been a little negative about that. If you've been really negative about it, say I've been really negative about it. Again, own it. And instead, I need to see where you're coming from because if I'm down and against something that you like, that doesn't make you feel good. So why would you do things that I want you to do if I'm not even showing interest in things that you want to do. So I really want to sit with you and I want to know more about it. And I'm going to shut up. I'm not going to question you and, and ask you why you like these things. I legitimately want to know. Now, here's the hard part. You have to sell that really hard because if she says, well, you know, you're just going to, you know, talk bad about this, that. No, try me. Again, back to her earlier question, tell her I need practice at this. So if she sits down and says, okay, well, this Netflix special I'm really liking, you know, that you said you don't like it. I can tell you why I like it. Tell me why you like it. But while she's talking, don't say, wait a second. Is that character of 16 years old and they're behaving like that? Like, you know, that's not like an appropriate thing for a 16 year old (laughs) to do. Stop it. Just stop it. Don't even go there. If someone asks you or someone's willing to tell you about what they're interested in, they want a connection with you. But you have to admit to them that you failed in that before. Or you don't have to, but you most likely might have to say something like that. And then that buys their trust over time. In your own free time, Google about it. Learn interesting facts that they didn't even know that you can connect with them about.
1: Can I just add one thing to this? Please. Um, so I had a super enlightening moment. And and I can really relate to this question uh, with my 11-year-old. And I was doing the same thing, you know. He's he's enrolled in a bunch of things and we're doing all these things thinking that this is gonna we're doing him favors. We're we're helping him do things that he's gonna enjoy. And I finally one night I said, you know, well what what makes you happy? And he said, you know, I just like it when you just kind of cuddle with me on the couch and watch a funny movie. And I was like, Well, okay. I can do that. And he was just so thankful for, of me just taking time to sit on the couch with him. I had never even thought to ask him what he w- would like. And and I'm a little ashamed to ad- to admit that, but I get really busy and I don't sit down on the couch with anyone. And so when I did that, it really meant something to him. so um I really I really like that what you're saying. I also want to add that, like, sometimes as parents, we think, "You're only eleven. what do you What do you have to have a problem with? You know, why aren't you just happy-go-lucky? Everything's great." Um, but those eleven year- old emotions are just as real and just as worthy of interest and concern as any age
0: little simple statement to remember with this. If you show what's important to them is important to you, then they're going to strongly consider taking what's important to you as being important to them as well.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Next question. Okay. So, so this question, I I think that the texting in is, is a little bit tricky. So I don't, the wording is, um, hard to understand, but it says something like, what advice do you have for blended and divorce situation? Please help.
0: Well, blended families are never, no one ever says, you know what? I want to get married someday. I want to go through a horrible divorce and then start all over again with someone else's kids that don't necessarily know me or I don't really know them. And we're going to blend all these problems together because <laughs> that sounds like fun. If you said that out there, you need some serious help. Okay, no one says that, (laughs) right? So, first off, because I've worked obviously as a family therapist, I've worked with a lot of blended families. I like to introduce different language, and I do this in all different ways. But specifically with blended families, I start out with introducing different language so that they can have a story and a narrative that this is the opportunity for not to them to have a hot mess and a blended family, but it's their opportunity to make amended family.
1: I love that.
0: You change a couple words, you illuminate a couple new ways of thinking. Now there's options. Now there's opportunities. It's really difficult though in blended families. It's hard to know for each parent, what is their role, how much they can parent, how much they can't parent. I would counsel or suggest, probably a better way to say it, to anyone in the situation, specifically the person answered this question, asked this question. You have to take a leadership role, and don't assume that the kids don't want you to be a parent figure for them. Their life would be easier if you guys had a good relationship, aka a very good partnership. But every single family in this, well, even in each family, every kid, some kids may come on board really quickly and like you, and other kids, for their own reason may be really hesitant, resistant, or maybe even outright mean. You have to sit with them. You have to spend time with them. You have to tell them, I'm not trying to replace your parent. However, I'd be honored if you ever considered me as some sort of parent figure. I know I'm going to have to earn that from you. I know it's going to take time, but I'm willing to put in the work and take time. Do me a favor, though. I invite you to share with me, not publicly in front of everybody, if I'm doing something that pisses you off or makes you mad, Could you please pull me aside or text me or write me a note and give me some suggestions? Because if I come into this thinking I know how to be the parent you need me to be, I could be totally wrong because you may want me to do things differently than what your sister brother may want me to do. I need you to help me figure out how to become a person that you would admire and respect. Oh yeah, by the way, if I make some mistakes, just come talk to me, take it easy on me. Because I'm definitely flawed, but it's not an excuse. I just want to get better. Now, we'll time out. That's what you want your kids to do for you. Whether they're your own kids or they're your new partner's kids, you want the kids to see you as a person that they can trust. So you're modeling for them that I'm giving you permission to come talk to me instead of telling you that you have to talk to me in the ways that I can handle it. If you want them to be open with you, if you want them to build a relationship with you, some of the times the best thing to do is tell them they don't have to. It's not their job to trust you, but you wanna earn it instead. You wanna have the right and you'd be honored to be this person, them, but you also recognize that relationships aren't built overnight. Just because someone was raised in the same household with each other doesn't mean that they're gonna always like each other and get along. They have to be feeling that they can have bad days. And you model for them that you can have battle days, but they can still come talk to you even if you've had a bad day. Now, here's the, here's the kicker to this. You have to really practice this. You may have to do a lot of apologizing. You may have to do a lot of, okay, note on that. I'm, I'm going to work on that one. Thank you. Oh, that was tough to hear, man. My, my ego really wants to say, you know, that's not fair. And, you know, when I was younger, you know, if I talked to my parents like that, but you know, it doesn't matter because I'm not younger and you're not my parent. And I'm technically not your parent. I'm just trying to be someone that you trust. So thanks for bringing it to me. Bite your lip. Go to your spouse, your partner, whatever, and say, that was really hard. But you're building their trust. You're erring on the side of the relationship. Because if you're planning on being married to this person longer than six months to a year, this is a long, long play. It doesn't, you can't build this bridge overnight. These kids are developing. They're going through different stages of their life. They're having different traumas. Different, different highs, different lows. They have to go to someone else's house and then come back to your house. Their life's so topsy-turvy and so spun all around. To expect them to act a certain way for you to respect them, not only is it unrealistic expectations, it ain't gonna happen. Just not gonna happen.
1: I really like what you said. Um, I think a lot of us as a parent, we feel like, just by virtue of bringing this kid into the world, we have earned the right to um, to be trusted or to be in charge or to be respected. Right. But when if technically we could by
0: the law, you have to give them food, water and shelter. <laughs> right.
1: So so adjusting that. I know that rubs you rubs a parent wrong, like I don't have to earn I don't have to earn anything from you. But if you do want to have a positive, healthy relationship, you got to earn that. It doesn't come for free.
0: So. i I start off most of my relationships with kids when they come to counseling, not by their choice. And they've usually been to other counselors and it didn't go well or else they wouldn't be seeing me. So when they come to me and we start this conversation, it's very important for me to say, you know, what? you don't have to see me. I don't blame you if you don't want to see me. In fact, there you there's no reason why you should trust me right now. And by the way, at this time they're looking at me like, wait, what? That's not what they're expecting to say. And kids love to use curiosity to figure things out. So if you make them curious as their new blended family parent or mended family parent, I should say, they're gonna go, wait a second, maybe I don't have this person figured out. Maybe this person could be different than I thought they're gonna be, and that's your best card that you could play. Excellent.
1: Okay, so it's been a lot of good questions. And I'm now down to the last question on this page. So just times this by nine pages. (laughs) Um, But I think- At least we got
0: eight more episodes left of Light the Fight, you guys. So we're not going off the air quite yet.
1: I think that um, this is probably the last one we're going to be able to talk about. Um, Okay, so this person says, I can't even identify my own struggle, so I separate myself. So I'm not a burden or cause a fight. How do I go up and say, I don't even know how I feel? Help me. You know I'm struggling. I can't really tell you what it is. So I'm just going to chill back here so I don't say something stupid.
0: Oddly enough, that was a great thing to say. First instinct is like, say that. But I know it's not so simple to just. Say that because that person that messaged that in, if they could just say that, they wouldn't be saying in the message. Right. Right, right. So
1: this person probably doesn't know how that yeah. they actually know.
0: Yeah, no, exactly exactly. So let me break this down to a metaphor to help people understand this. I want you to think about talking about your emotions to someone that maybe the conversations have gone bad in the past. Maybe you're not sure how they're gonna react. Maybe your insecurities are at the point that it's really difficult for you to articulate it because she, she or he, whoever's saying this, is obviously saying that I don't even know. Even if they have a little idea, they definitely don't know how to say it. So I want you to think about talking to people about your feelings in these types of situations. I want you to compare it to public speaking. So if you're giving a talk and you have never given a talk in public before, you're usually going to get advice from people to not just get up there and wing it. <laughs> You're going to hear things and probably it's going to come natural to you saying, I'm going to write my talk out. And because you have your nerves, because of you your fear, you're going to think it's probably just best if I just read the talk. That way you fulfilled your responsibility. You said what you're supposed to say, but you didn't mess it up by trying to jump right into the deep end of the public speaking pool and drown in, uh, in the anxiety. So let's say you do this once and you're happy you got it done, but most people after they talk like that, they're not feeling satisfied because it was like, so today I went to reading your me feelings and emotions, just something doesn't feel natural about that, but at least you got the job done. So phase 2 would be you do that a couple times, then you want to start venturing out, you start to feel more comfortable. After I've written it out, maybe I can condense it down to some short bullet points and some talking points so that it helps me stay structured on what I want to say. But I also have something to anchor me so I can look down so I don't get lost and just start talking in circles. Then, if a person gets really good at this, because they'd have to do it more often, then they can, conf- they can uh, construct all those talking points, write it out, write it out, practice a bunch of time, throw the piece of paper away, look out into an audience, and they just got it in their head and they've repped it out. Boom, boom. So, what I suggest to this person is do a very similar thing write out, just like you did in this message. If you like texting, just text yourself this. Write out everything that you think you want to say. Then, like a tough text message before you send it, you proofread it. But this time, proofread it, trying to break it down into more short statements and kind of like, this is how I'm feeling. Even if your feeling is, I don't know how I'm feeling, but I want to know if you can relate to that. Because in the past, when I've tried to explain myself, I feel like we get in an argument or I'm misunderstood. So, first off, I want to tell you that I don't know how I'm feeling. However, I'm wondering if you can relate to that or not. Sometimes we have to teach people how to support us. Sometimes we have to explain that we don't know how to explain it and let them see that we're being vulnerable. We're being honest, but we're actually trying to connect with them, not trying to criticize them
1: or get in a fight or get in
0: a fight. You're not, you're not looking for it. So after you, after you do that process, Then, now remember, this is for all you socially anxious people out there or nervous people. This may seem kind of petty, these steps, but trust me, it's a whole lot, like I said, writing your talk out the first time. Then you text that person if you don't, you don't have to do this, but you can text that person and say, hey, listen, I really want to talk to you about how I'm feeling. Acknowledge that you've been distant. Acknowledge you've been pulling away. This person probably does want to listen to you and is glad you're reaching out to them. But then you acknowledge them, hey, listen, this is really hard for me. I'm actually writing out everything I want to say to you. So when we do talk, it would help me out if you just let me practice saying it because I don't really even know how to say it before you tell me what to do. I just want to know that I'm not crazy and you're actually hearing what I'm saying. Most people that see that this is vulnerable, this is hard for you. It's almost preparing them so that they don't jump in and start trying to fix what's going on. If you don't even know what's going on, you need them to help you figure it out. And in one of our earlier podcasts, this is called Address the Connection before you get to the concern. So when you do go talk to this person and you are sharing your ideas with them, it does a couple things with our brain. It gets the conversation with this person outside of your head. I make jokes about this a lot, especially with my wife and everything in, in our relationship where I always see people. I don't always, I see this a lot. People will have conversations with another person, not with the person, but in their head. And all too often we have a conversation with that person in your head, it usually goes to a it usually ends in I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. I already talked to you about it. it. Didn't go well, so we don't even talk about I'm mad or I'm already offended. And you're like, wait, what just happened? If you're laughing right now, you've either been the person or you've had this like, wait, when did we talk about this? I didn't need to talk to you about it. I already discussed it with you. I figured it out on my own and I'm just mad. We can most people can relate to this to some degree because we're just naturally trying to process our mind. But another thing that we talked about is. Connection creates the best innovation. So, simply put, we have to say the things outside of our mouth. Someone has to hear us. They have to respond back. The best partnerships in the world, they bounce things off of each other. And if you Google the word innovation, it doesn't mean old thoughts, old ideas, old patterns. It means new, fresh, something that's evolving, something that's better than what you did before. But it takes a connection to create that new innovation of new ways to handle an old problem. So in simple, in this person's question, saying, I don't even know how I feel. Well, that's why you need to talk to someone about how you feel, so that you can figure out how you feel, but you might need to help them understand how to be a support person and listen. Because if this person cares about you, if it's a sibling, a parent, a coach, anyone that has time investing in you, a best friend, a partner of some sorts, this person sometimes out of anger and frustration that they can't help you, may jump in and try to fix you. You just have to let them know that's what I, that I don't need that from you. I just need you to help me figure this out so I can practice expressing it to you. Every time I've had, well, a lot of the time, I shouldn't say every time, a lot of the time when people start to figure this out, they start to have better results in the conversations don't go quickly to an argument. The conversations don't run into being offended or someone getting defensive because you're telling them, I'm trying something new. This is hard for me. And most human beings say, okay, I'm going to give them a moment to practice this before I jump to conclusions. And in other words, before I jump to the concern, focus on how do I get to a place where I can talk about this by writing it out, putting down the bullet points. Then when you express it to them, let them know this is hard. You're practicing. You won't always have to do this. You want to get better at it. And then once you start to connect with this person, once you have better ideas, you will probably figure out a lot about what you thought you couldn't figure out. In the middle of the conversation,
1: one thing that I want to point out from this—this is super easy for you. (laughs) Well, I really like. I don't think that you have to have everything figured out in order to talk to somebody, which is what you're trying to say, right? But the
0: conversations in your head say that though, (laughs) right?
1: Right. And so, um, for anybody listening who can relate to saying like. I'm struggling, and I'm sad, and I don't even know why. I, could, I can't even tell you what the problem is. I think that this is a really, I think it's a common thing. And I think that just saying exactly that is enough. Um, and it relieves a bunch of pressure. I don't know why you're spending so much time in your car, in your room. I don't know why you're not responding. I don't know why you don't want to go to the party. I don't know why you're not hanging out with your friends. And the mom is, <laughs> the mom is like, I'm worried and I'm concerned and and I don't know why. But if, if that child that does also doesn't know why, at least says, look, I'm struggling and I also don't know why. There's light there in that. We don't have to have the answers in order to have a conversation. Um, this kind of, this is a tender little thing for me um, because I can remember very clearly Corey saying to me, I I just wanted to know why he was that. And I asked him, mm-hmm. you know, go back to the question the statement thing. I asked him over and over, but w- what do you have to be sad about and I, and then i would go so far as to list like all the great things in his life and and i remember one night he said to me i'm sad about a million things and i was like how about you tell me one you, you know like i just i just wanted to hold on to one Thing. I I wanted to solve it, just like what you're saying. I wanted to create a solution for him. What I didn't know how to do was say, "Man, I've been there," because I have. I I I knew. I ha- I mean, I have been there when when I was frustrated and down and overwhelmed, and I and I couldn't have articulated it. It is a beautiful thing to sit with somebody in not having the answer, but just sitting with them. And I didn't know how, I didn't know how to do that. And um, I think that we can give ourselves this, like I want everybody to just like have this little coupon that you put in your pocket that says you don't have to know the answer. But it's okay just to be there.
0: You know, the reason why I always, I've never said it like this on the podcast, but the reason I always say you want to be a partner, you want to be a support person, you can't save, you can only support, is because being a savior is stressful. It feels stressful. Being a partner feels helpful. Well,
1: I I like that. I like that.
0: Being a a savior is stressful. You're like, you have the weight of the world. Like my kid has a million problems. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And if you have someone that doesn't know how to express their problems, looking at you, the parent or the loved one, being overly stressed because you have the burden of, I have to save them from this because they're obviously not capable of doing it themselves. You're looking like a person that is being burdened by their struggle.
1: And nobody wants to burden anybody, period.
0: So, if you are a partner just there to offer support, there to offer to sit with them, a partnership or being a partner, it feels helpful to them and your body language looks like you're just, you're just yeah, like I'm just I'm just here to help lighten your load a little bit and it feels good and natural for you and it put thing it puts things into perspective because our stress is coming from our fear that we've done something wrong, that they can't handle the life that they have. And that, that savior mentality, it's, it's a burden. When I work with teenagers, I always tell them, do not stay up late at night telling your friends how important they are to you, how much you love them, asking them why do they feel down, why do they feel suicidal, because that is not actually helping them. It's stressing them out but it's just helping them for a tiny, tiny bit. That's where you have to make some bold statements. You have to tell them, I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm going to help you get this done. We're going to figure out who we're going to talk to. And you take a different approach of we're just going to work at this together because then it feels helpful to you. It feels helpful to them. But just remember to all you listening out there, it's like being a savior is stressful. Being a partner is helpful.
1: I like that a lot. Um. I I think that we're probably going to have to end there for now. And and uh, these
0: are good questions though. We're gonna we're gonna come back to this next time. In fact, why don't we do this next episode? We'll leave like fifteen minutes. We'll kind of like do a DM in the episode, and we'll just answer some of these questions. um, But you see how like all of
1: these questions were kind of all over the board. Like there's there's no rhyme or reason to these questions. You you look out there and and people are having like these are relationship struggles. And if you'll notice every single time, the answer is connection. And it's setting aside like trying to figure everything out. It's setting aside um trying to take on the world. And 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 that's where like our instinct is. And and that's the thing that um when I always joke about it's it's counterintuitive because I just wanna come in and just save the day. That, that, What I want to do, and
0: um. and you can attest to trying to save the day, mean the savior is very, very stressful. And I don't care how good of an actor someone is, you can't hide that stress. It just exudes. I mean, it looks anxious, it looks nervous, it looks fearful. Doesn't look like the person that's trying to save the situation is able to handle the situation that they're trying to save. They're freaking out. Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um. So, David. David, I um. I appreciate you talking through those questions. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of the things that you just shared are things that we have shared in past um, podcasts. But what's interesting, and I bet you that every single person who's listening is like, but you could repeat that a thousand more times and it would still be something that would I would benefit.
0: That's my tagline, job security for me. <laughs> if people remembered everything on the first time, a lot of people like myself would be out of business.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um. I want to add that I don't know if the people who said shared those questions are listening. But I but I really appreciate those who ask the questions, letting us to see inside their brains for just a minute, letting um, letting us get this kind of heat check, like you like to call it on what's going on and what people are struggling with so that we can do a better job and and be more. more pointed as we share here on the podcast and and that's one of the things that excites me i think that was one of the things that encouraged me about the don't freak out um, event is that i knew we were all in the same you know in the same hot hot fire of of problems of struggles of worries and concerns um and so we're in the right place we're in a place where we want to talk about solutions Talk about creating change and connection, and um, and ways that we can tweak um, our our method and and our approach to improve the relationship, and uh, and that that makes me excited. I I love being able to offer this encouragement. And support and light to everybody who's just worried. I love being able to offer that light. And so I appreciate you, David, that I get to be a part of of sharing your message.
0: Well, the strength in numbers and without you, without Brandon, without everybody that helps us out, without one eight hundred contacts. Now this would be happening. Without all you listeners, we would have stopped doing this a long time ago. So <laughs> right. as long as you guys press play, we'll keep on pressing record. So no thank worries. you, as always, for listening and tuning in. And thank you specifically to all the people that came out to our event and for all the people who had the courage just to send in those questions. And if you don't like the fact that Heidi put your is going to put your questions on social media, her social media handle is hide swap and you can DM her not me. <laughs> no, we'll be very discreet about it and there'll be no way to know so
1: yeah, well, thanks you guys. thank you as always for helping us to light the fight.